0: title of, of today's if, if I was going to put one on it um, would be um, th- these words I'd put Jesus as more than enough and um, this isn't my own idea. this is something that came of a, of, a, of a devotion I had listened to here um, several months ago and it just those ter- that term kind of stuck in my head and um, it's been a few weeks now but one of the devotions um, someone made the comment here of challenging us, about what we're coming to pray about. And as I thought about that, thought about what they said, and my my mind was like, well, yeah, I'm coming to pray. This is important. But I I started to to dig a little bit deeper, at least internally in my own own mind, and started to look at at the challenge that was thrown out as are we am I, I shouldn't say we, am I praying more about the challenges that I'm going through? And there's been plenty of them here with um, with my son's liver transplant and some of the things that we've gone through over the past few months, um, or am I am I praying for God to be glorified? Am I praying more for the gospel to be advanced? Am I praying more for um, maybe the things that that seem maybe a little bit broader and and not maybe making it quite as as much about me? And 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 to be honest, this is in full transparency. This is something we've struggled with during you know, the latest rounds of hospitalizations because it's, it's been a long road to recovery and it's very easy to start to go down the path of, of just bringing our needs and starting to look at God as, as that ATM machine that, you know, we show up, we hit the button and he spits out exactly what we want. And I, I don't think that's what well, I shouldn't say. I don't think, I know that's not what God expects of us. Um, but again, it's, it's really easy for us to go down that path. Um. And when we, we get that focus, or at least I find when I have that focus on the things I'm struggling with, um, I reach a point of kind of despairing a little bit over the bleakness of the moment and really start to forget that term that Jesus is more than enough. I'm going to look at several scriptures here this morning, but we're going to start in John 6, and this is this is a story of feeding the 5,000. Um, the story fits between two accounts um, in the book of John, one of them is Jesus's sermon on I am the bread of life, uh, and the other one is the healing at the pool of Bethesda. And the disciples at this point have been lock, walking with him for some time, and they've been witnessing the miracles and the teachings. But like us, it wasn't fully connecting. And as we read through that portion of John, around John 6, we we see that they're recognizing that he's not just a man, but they're also struggling to really put together the things that, that he is the Son of God, that, that these miracles are are really mag- a magnificent working of God's of God's grace and His mercy toward men. But we also see that the multitude was falling primarily because of what Jesus could do for him. He, they were looking for the healing, they were looking at the things that he was able to provide. And so in John 6, verses 5 and 7, we read this, When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw the great company come unto him, he saith to Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And he said this to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that everyone can take a little. Can't we almost hear a little bit of sarcasm in Philip's response here? It's like, do, do you not know how many people are here? Do you, do you not know? We're, we're in the wilderness. I mean, we've, we're, we've come out of Jerusalem. We're not in a place where there's, there's bread available. And and even if there was, how in the world are we going to find enough that people can eat? So we can we can sort of see this practicalism coming out of Philip. Is like, really, you're you really asking this question? Um, and and part of this is probably because Philip like like us like we do at some time is struggling with this this idea of oh, who is Jesus really? Um, he was still learning about him. We're not given a lot of knowledge about Philip. We know he's it's a Greek name. Um, The Greek influence could have been one of the reasons that he was the one who introduced certain Greeks to Christ at the Passover in John 12. Um, We also know that he was one of the middle disciples. He was actually the fifth disciple to be chosen. Um, And it's also interesting when you search out Philip here in the scripture, he's only made reference to in John's gospel, I believe. Um, John was also a fellow Galilean. Perhaps they they were somewhat close. But Philip had a couple distinct traits, and one that he was not easily discouraged um, when his first convert, Nathaniel, wanted to argue about the merits of Jesus and Nazareth, Philip's reply was, well, come and see. We find that in John 146. Um, but we also see what the other side of him, he's very practical, as we see in the Scripture. And while this is a good trait, um, I tend to see myself as being a little bit practical at times, too. So it's a good trait. It's, it's actually a, a, character, um, a character quality that, that can be really good, but it can also be a major character flaw. Um, where we can tend to start looking at the practicality of things rather than looking at, you know, what can Jesus do? And so from a practical standpoint here, Philip um, Philip was thinking, well, I'll just send the people out. I'll send them away. I mean, that's the best thing, and they can go try to find it, because we're not going to be able to defeat them here. And as we think through this, it's easy to pick on Philip, um, because we know the rest of the story we can see. uh, But we see here the other disciples had a similar sentiment. Um, After Philip's response, Andrew said, well, here's a small lad, he's got these five loaves, two fishes, but we can also see that he questioned Christ by saying, but what are they among so many? Philip and the rest of the disciples, this was a difficult task to, to do. Um, as Christ told them, well, let's divide them up. And if you divide these loaves and fishes among the disciples, there would have been about a sixth of a fish and a half a loaf of bread given to each, and they were to go among the people, and they were to pass it out. And from a practical standpoint here, this was destined for failure. There there was no way this was going to work. And they had to be thinking, how are we going to deal with the embarrassment when we run out of food? I mean, we get to the first person, he takes that small piece of fish, What, what happens next? And, but as they begin, we know the stories. they begin passing the food out, they found there was not only enough, but there was a lot left over. Um, Jesus' teaching here is not intended in verse Philip, but the lesson would stick for a lifetime. Philip's question is the same one that we often ask today, is, is God enough for us? And, you know, the remarkable thing is in the disciples' hands, that food was not enough, but when we put it in Christ's hands, there was excess, um, what other examples can we look at in Scripture? Um, there's a story of Abraham and Sarah. She was beyond childbearing years. And God provided the promised son. They tried to work things out through the flesh, but in the end, they found that God's provision was enough. We jump forward in history. In the time of the judges, we find Gideon. Um, it was a desperate time. Gideon wasn't feeling very confident. But... Gideon wasn't feeling very confident that, that this was going to work out, and he asked God for a sign that the fleece would be wet. And when we think about the story, the next morning he woke up, he was able to wring a bowl of water out of the fleece. So God didn't just make it wet. There was more than enough. It was obvious the direction he wanted him to go. Um, and we go further on. He, he took 300 untrained men, and they went further, and they won a the battle because it was enough in the hands of God. How about Paul's thorn in the flesh? We're not told exactly what it was. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7, Paul says this, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So what did Paul learn? He learned that no matter what he faced, Jesus was more than enough. And the story repeats itself yet today. God's called us into service. He's given us a message of salvation to go pass it on. And some of us do that from pulpits, others in Sunday school, others in after school Bible clubs. Take the list of things that were put into our sphere of influence but we have that opportunity to deliver the message of salvation. And when we think about that, for me, the practical start part starts coming out. Maybe I'm not very good with words, or how am I going to approach this? Or I've got all these other things in my life. I, I'm not going to find time to do this. And we can start to become really overwhelmed with the magnitude and the task. And like Sarah, Gideon, Paul, and the disciples, we begin to focus on the fact we, we can't do this. But when we start focusing on our abilities, we become like the disciples with that small amount of food in our hands, and, and we have to recognize in our hands it's not enough. We've got to get to the place where we can look beyond that and, and say, we aren't going to have enough money. We're not going to have enough knowledge. We don't have enough courage. We don't have enough skill. We, don't, we can't do or accomplish God's will in our lives. But as disciples found, when the matter was taken to God, they took it to Jesus he turned to God, and he prayed over the matter at hand, and when they then stepped out in faith, they not only had enough, but they had more. They, had, they were left with 12 baskets full. They had excess. Um, so I think that the, the message here that's, that's really been kind of placed on my heart and dealing through some of the challenges, and I know many of you have much, much greater things to deal with, but that reminder that, that Jesus is always enough, If we can get our focus shifted away, get that perspective right, take it to him, allow him to work, not focus on our inadequacies, but focus on the goodness of a great God whose grace is always sufficient and whose strength is always made perfect in our time of weakness.